Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derb and to Lystra. So this is Paul's second missionary journey. And Lystra and Derb are in the province of Galatia. So these are part of the Galatian churches. And Lystra is the city where Paul was stoned and left for dead, but then raised back to life again. So there were a number of churches in these cities and in this region. And so Paul was going back to encourage them and strengthen them. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. So this is the first time that we're hearing about Timothy, who became a spiritual son of Paul and became a great man for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So his mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers of Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So Timothy was obviously quite an amazing young man that uh, impressed Paul and Paul wanted to take him along on his journeys. And so Timothy was raised as a Greek, not as a Jew. And so obviously he wasn't circumcised. And so Paul wanted to circumcise him. And this was simply to be a rite of passage. This wasn't because Paul believed in circumcision. And it wasn't because he was trying to convert Timothy to Judaism. Paul didn't believe in that stuff anymore. But Paul's modus operandi, his strategy was often to go into synagogues first and preach the gospel into synagogues. And that was his point of access into each town and city. And in order to take Timothy into these synagogues, he would have to convince everyone that he was a convert to Judaism. He's been circumcised. Relax, everyone. He's a Jew, just like us. You're not going to be made unclean because he's a Gentile in your synagogue. And so we know in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says to the Jews, I became a Jew. To the Gentiles, I became like a Gentile. To those under the law, I became like one under the law in order that I might preach the gospel of Christ to them. And so this is all that Paul is doing. He is helping Timothy to be accepted in these areas so he can go in and preach the gospel. Verse 4, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. So the letter that was from Jerusalem, Paul delivered it. He would have read it publicly in all these churches. And this was a very positive thing. It was about keeping the gospel pure. It was about actually taking requirements and religion off them and helping them to just have a pure faith in Jesus Christ. And so it was reinforcing to all these churches, you are not under the Mosaic law, that none of that stuff can save you. It is faith alone in Christ that saves you. And it was also saying to the Gentile believers, don't put your trust in idols or any pagan rituals. Those cannot save you either. Just like the law cannot save you, it is Christ alone who saves. So put your faith in Christ. Keep walking in the purity of the gospel and don't mix Christ with Moses and don't mix Christ with idols. And so the churches were strengthened in their faith. So any mixtures of Moses or idols was being addressed and dealt with and removed from the church. And it was just a pure gospel, a pure faith in Christ. And the churches were being strengthened in this faith. And as a result of it, they were growing in numbers daily. And so this is the fruit of the gospel of grace in the life of churches. They are strengthened in faith and they multiply in number. Verse 6, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, 
having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And so they were obviously trying to go into Asia to preach the gospel, but the Holy Spirit was saying, no, now's not the time for that. Asia is a part of Asia Minor. It's on the west side of the Asia Minor Peninsula. And this is where Ephesus is. It's where Colossae is, Pergamum, Thyatira, all the seven churches of the book of Revelation. They're all in Asia. And Paul eventually goes there and preaches the gospel. But right now the Holy Spirit is saying, no, not yet. Verse 7, And when they had come up to Mysia or Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So Paul and his team, they're trying to just go and preach the gospel anywhere they can, but the Holy Spirit is directing them. He's saying, no, don't go into Asia, Mysia, not Bithynia. The Holy Spirit has a plan for where he wants them to go. Verse 8, So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So in the middle of the night, Paul has this amazing vision of a man from Macedonia calling to him to come and help. Macedonia is the furthest Paul would have ever been with the gospel, and it was actually considered a part of Europe. So now the gospel is about to go into Europe. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. So this is Paul coming into Philippi for the first time, and the Philippian church comes out of the city. Paul writes a book to the Philippians. So it says Philippi is a Roman colony, so it is under the rule of Rome. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. So this tells us that it's very likely that Philippi didn't have any synagogues in the city. Perhaps there wasn't enough of a Jewish population there, or perhaps the city didn't allow synagogues. So anyway, they go outside of the city. And so for Jewish people that couldn't go to synagogue, they would create a place like this that was like synagogue, and they could carry out all their same rituals and practices and so this is where the Jewish people would have met and very likely there wasn't a lot of Jewish men in this region it was by a river because that would assist them in all of their ceremonial washing and purifications and they needed water to be able to do that and so this is a part of Paul's custom he'd always look for the Jewish population for a synagogue or a place of prayer like this and he would go to them first and because he was a rabbi he was granted access into those places and he was actually able to speak, and then he would bring the gospel. And verse 14, One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, so obviously she believed, they were by the water, she got baptized, and her household as well, so perhaps they were there with her, or perhaps she took them all back to her house, but either way they believed and they were baptized, her and her whole household. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So this woman, Lydia, 
She was a Gentile lady from Thyatira, which is in Asia, which is where Paul wasn't permitted to go. She was a seller of purple goods, so she was a businesswoman. She was obviously doing quite well because purple goods were expensive items. They were sold to rich people and to royalty. And so she was a Gentile. She must have been a convert to Judaism because she was a worshiper of God. She had gone to this Jewish place of prayer at the time of prayer, and Paul had gone there as well with his team. He had preached the gospel. She had gotten saved, her and her whole household. They all got baptized, perhaps in the water that was right there. And then she urges Paul and his team to stay on with her and to perhaps continue teaching the gospel to her and her whole household. So no doubt a church is going to come out of this. Verse 16, as they were going to the place of prayer, so this is probably the same place, but at another time, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So this was a demonic spirit. And it was a spirit of divination. So it's interesting, the Bible says here that there's different spirits. You know, during the Gospels, we see there was mute spirits. There was lying spirits. And this is a spirit of divination, which is like fortune telling. It's contacting the dead. It's revealing things about people. And so this girl, she was a slave. She had masters who were using her. And they were using her gift of fortune telling, which was actually inspired by a demon to make money. And it, and it says much gain. So she made a lot of money for these guys. Verse 17, she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. So what she was saying was the truth. And so this demonic spirit knew who Paul was and the spirit knew what they were doing, which was proclaiming the way of salvation, but it was a demonic spirit. And it's funny how Demonic spirits can use the truth to try to deceive people. And we'll see what Paul does about this. Verse 18, and this she kept doing for many days. And so Paul allowed this lady to follow them around everywhere they went. She was saying, these men are from the most high God. And they're telling you the way of salvation. And it's a bit of a strange situation. Paul, having become greatly annoyed. Other translations say he became vexed in his spirit. So he knew in his spirit something was not right with this girl. It was troubling him. Even though she was saying the right things, it was coming with the wrong spirit. And so it troubled him and he was greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So that's awesome. She's following them around for days. Paul lets it go on. Eventually he gets so troubled. He knows this is a demonic spirit. Turns around, come out in Jesus name and this demon comes out of her. So all of a sudden, her fortune-telling gift is broken. Verse 19, But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So here we go again. Paul is preaching the gospel and all of a sudden a riot breaks out. 
persecution breaks out against him. He gets seized, taken and beaten for preaching the gospel and then thrown in prison. Silas is with him and they're in the inner prison and they fastened in stocks. This is where he's ended up for preaching the gospel. And instead of getting all negative and depressed and disillusioned, look what he does instead. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. This is very strange, unusual. You're in this terrible prison. You've been beaten up. It's late at night and here you are singing hymns and praising God. And the other prisoners were listening. I don't know if they were shocked or thought these guys are crazy, but it just shows us that they had their eyes on God. They didn't let fear overtake them. They stayed in faith and they kept their eyes on Jesus and they were worshiping God. In the middle of their storm, in the middle of their trouble, they kept their eyes on God and look what happens. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. That's not just Paul and Silas, but everyone in the prison. There's this huge earthquake, the foundations are shaken and everyone's bonds are opened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And so most likely the penalty for a jailer for allowing prisoners to escape was death. So he thought he would preempt that. And before he could be executed, he, he was just going to kill himself. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. So this was all kinds of fear. I mean, this was fear for his own life. This was fear because of the supernatural occurrence, a big earthquake. And all of a sudden the prison doors are open and the, their shackles are unlocked. No doubt he's never seen this before. He's wondering who Paul and Silas are. And he falls down before Paul and Silas, trembling in fear. Verse 30, then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so I don't think he was asking, how can I be born again and enter into heaven? He was about to commit suicide. Paul said, don't do it. But he knew that the Roman government would execute him for failing to do his job. And so he says to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas give him the eternal answer to that very question. Verse 31, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So an amazing situation. This is all taking place in the middle of the night. He's taken Paul and Silas into his house. He must have woken up his whole family and told them what had happened. They all give their lives to the Lord. They get baptized in water. He's washed Paul and Silas. He's given them food. Paul and Silas have been teaching them about the Lord, him and his whole household. And this is an amazing turn of events in this man's life. And they're all rejoicing and super happy that they believed in God. And who knows, possibly this jailer and his whole household end up becoming one of the churches in Philippi. Verse 35. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul. 
saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. So Paul and Silas were Roman citizens and under Roman law, you're not allowed to punish people and beat them and throw them into prison without going through the court system and without due process. And so Paul knew his rights and he was going to let them know that he knows his rights as well and that what they've done is terribly wrong and it's not okay and they need to make it right. Verse 38, the police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them and took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. And so this is the start of Paul's amazing adventure in Macedonia. This is all God orchestrated and he ends up being beaten and put in prison. But it doesn't phase Paul. In the middle of all of that, he's praising God and God does a mighty miracle. God ultimately did this to save the jailer and his whole household. So we've seen two households being saved, Lydia and the jailer. No doubt they become part of the Philippian churches in Philippi. And so after encouraging all these new converts, it says that they departed. And so a lot of people after this kind of an experience, they would just want to give up. But for Paul, it's just another day in the office. He's used to this kind of thing. And so now he's on his Holy Spirit inspired way together with Silas to take the gospel to other places around the region. Hey, this is Ryan Rufus, and I hope you enjoyed this last chapter. Could I ask if you've been blessed by the Grace Bible Commentary, would you consider making a donation to New Nature Ministries to help support the ongoing work of the Grace Bible Commentary. That would be greatly appreciated. To do that, simply go to newnatureministries.org. Thank you and God bless.